Our sermon today is from Zechariah chapter 10, and we're going to be looking specifically at the latter rain. What does it mean? Has it ever, have any of the drops ever fallen? If so, why didn't we partake of it? And how do we partake of it in the last days? First of all, a few upcoming events. Um, We have Paul Punch here tonight. That's why we have this backdrop and you see us coming up from the front. Um, A little different um, procedure for us, but uh, we're so grateful. His messages have been fantastic. Um, God is, how many of you have been out uh, at least one night? Okay, many of you have. If you haven't, tonight is a great night to come out. Uh, 7 p.m. as he continues to go through the three angels' messages last night. It was, How Shall We Stand? And uh, just a tremendous message. So hope you'll come out for that. Tomorrow in our parking lot is Faith and Blue. Um, this is an event where the police and the local area churches are getting together along with the community to kind of bond more together. So you're welcome to come out for that. That's from 1 to 4. And uh, there will be a question and answer. Well, the police will answer questions from the community and so forth. So that's happening um, tomorrow. And again, 1 to 4, hope you're able to come out to that. And then, of course, tomorrow night in the evening at 7 is another meeting of Jesus on Prophecy. Then we have, at the end of our evangelistic series, ends the 23rd, we'll plan to have a a good amount of baptisms that Sabbath. Uh, Following that, the 24th, which is a Sunday, Laura Williams will be in concert here. So you won't want to miss that either, as she's one of the few, there's not a whole lot of traveling Adventist musicians anymore, but she's one of them, and uh, so we want to support her as much as we can. All right, just a little health nugget here before we get into our message. Uh, Folk up there, anyway, I could see these slides on that screen. Is that possible? Otherwise, I'll just look here, but um, if that works, great. All right, if all would seek to become intelligent in regard to their bodily necessities, sickness would be what? Rare instead of common. How many of you would like sickness to be rare instead of common? Me too. Uh, So we need to seek to become intelligent in regard to our bodily necessities. Thomas Edison would have made a good Adventist. He said this many years ago, the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his or her patients in the care of the human frame, in a proper diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. So with that background, God wants you to have the best, right? The best when it comes to health, go out and take a walk with your grandchild and de-stress. There's too much stress in this world. Get some exercise that's also de-stressing. Drink lots of water, right? So you've got the eight natural doctors. Water, of course, is one of those. Sunshine and fresh air. This looks like California, so I'm not sure how fresh the air is, although you can see the mountains, so it's not too bad. But uh, this gentleman is getting sunshine, uh, exercise, and fresh air, right? Then go back and drink some water, and you've knocked out uh, a good bit of the health uh, eight natural doctors. Uh, Temperance and what we eat and sleep. Don't these doggies look like they're just enjoying themselves? And (laughs) sleep is good for everyone, and uh, we all need that. It's crucial um, if you want to 
keep COVID from knocking on your door, one of the things you can do is get sleep. And of course, trust in God. That's at the end of our acronym, but it's really the first thing, isn't it? That we trust in our God to take care of us. Well, today I'm going to talk a little bit about zinc, and thanks John Rocker and also Graham Roberts from Australia for giving me information on this. Zinc supplements, zinc um, acetate or zinc glutinate lozenges are a group of dietary supplements that are uh, commonly used for the treatment of the common cold. This is, it's, zinc isn't anything new. The use of zinc supplements at doses in excess of 75 milligrams, that would be just for a very short time because the maximum daily intake is considered 40. But uh, for a very short time, doses of uh, excess of 75 within 24 hours of the onset of symptoms have been shown to reduce the duration by one day in adults. So zinc is essential. It's an essential trace element um, for humans. It's required in the function of over 300 enzymes and 1,000 transcription factors. So things going on in your body need zinc to make them happen. It's the second most abundant uh, mineral after iron, crucial for normal development and function of cells, mediating innate immunity, neutrophils, and natural killer cells. This is one study that was uh, sent to me, done right here in uh, Wayne State, Detroit, Michigan. The ability of zinc to function as an antioxidant and stabilize membranes suggests that it has a role in the prevention of free radical-induced injury during inflammatory process. Goes on to say, Several studies have shown the benefits of zinc on infectious diseases in humans. Zinc reduced incidence and duration. So both getting something and the duration when you have it of acute lower respiratory tract infections. So COVID does affect the respiratory tract. So this is very important to have uh, zinc as part of our program. And then the conclusion on that study says our study provides molecular evidence for an antioxidant effect of zinc in humans that shows that zinc supplementation in vivo protected MNC against oxidative stress, and oxidative stress is known also to be a factor in some cancers. So this is bigger than COVID, right? We're not just trying to avoid COVID. We want to be healthy to, to avoid all the, the killer things that, uh, that are out there. Um, which COVID is uh, just one of them. Another study says zinc is used in preventative trials and treatment of diarrhea, pneumonia, common cold, respiratory infections, and malaria. Sufficient zinc is essential in maintaining immune system function. So make sure and get some zinc. You can get zinc from food, but supplementation is um, you know, of course, all of this goes with the disclaimer, you know, ask your physician, your healthcare team, all that. But uh, you may want to take some zinc, uh, especially in the winter. Um, again, 40 milligrams is the maximum intake suggested um, on a daily basis. So, hope you'll do those things that will keep you healthy. God has given us such an amazing body, amen? We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and he's given us all these things um, to... Um, take care of us, and to keep us healthy, 
even in the toughest times. All right, let's pray before we get into God's Word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. Please send your spirit now. We ask for clarity of understanding. We ask for conviction from you, O Holy Spirit. And we ask that you make us catalysts of this message to a world in such desperate and dire need. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can turn to Zechariah chapter 10, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about... Uh, I guess I, I'm not clicking quick, quickly enough, <clears throat> but uh, it'll come back here in a minute, I believe. So there is... Um, There's sort of two major types of, of sermons and sermon planning. One is expository preaching. This involves exposition or comprehensive explanation of the scriptures. Um, so it, it's taking a text and finding out what does the text say. Okay? So often expository preachers are going in the Bible verse by verse. You'll go through a whole book. Think about it, the books like, say, Colossians, right? It wasn't, by the way, we're going to be doing an expository series next year um, on the letter to Laodicea, Paul's letter to Laodicea. Which, which letter could that be? Well, I'll give you a, a hint. <laughs> Colossians, for one, right, is a book with four different chapters, but Paul wrote that as a book, right? So if you just take a verse here and a verse here, you haven't really gotten the whole book. Um, so it's important to, to study in this way. And that's why Sabbath school is so important. I'm, I'm grateful that all of you are coming, many of you are coming. Um, if you haven't been coming to Sabbath school, I ask you, please do it, because that's where you really get into the Word in this way. Um, not only that, in your study in the class, but you are dissecting the Word through the week and growing, and that's what God needs us to be doing at this time in Earth's history. So that's expository preaching. Topical preaching, we do a lot of in the Adventist church. I think we're a little weak on expository preaching, in my, uh, in my opinion. Uh, topical preaching is where you start with a topic, right? Uh, state of the debt, what happens when you die? Um, you know, pick your topic. Uh, circumcision, whatever it is. And so then you look up all the verses on that. That's a great, they're both, they're both great, and they feed on each other. Um, we need both. Um, but today we're going to be looking more at a topical um, exposition of this subject of the latter rain. So with that said, <clears throat> what you need to understand about prophetic books, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Zechariah would fit into that also, is near the end of those books is a lot of information about the Jews doing this and doing that. And the truth is, much of that information is what might have been, right? It's conditional. Had the Jews followed what God was saying, they would have expanded out and out and out and taken in the whole earth, right? That was God's plan. Um, unfortunately, they did not do that. So much of that is what could have been. Some of that is what will be for God's last day Israel uh, or his last day church. Uh, which includes us. But uh, sometimes I hear uh, comments about the Jews and that, oh, you know, it's all, all over for the Jews or whatever. Well, I, I would say this. Um, 
as far as the nation of Israel, God can't use the nation of Israel as he originally wanted to. He just can't because it was a conditional situation. However, God has great things in store still for the Jews. Come on and say amen if that's good news. It is good news. <laughs> uh, and for the region of the Middle East. And I'll share a couple quotes with you on that uh, right now. This is from Evangelism 578, and it says this, There are among the Jews many who will be converted. So God has still a great work to do with the Jews and through whom we shall see the salvation of God go forth as a lamp that burneth. They're, going to, they're just going to be on fire, as we say. There are among them many who will come to the light and who will proclaim the immutability of the law of God with wonderful power. The Lord God will work. He will do wonderful things in righteousness. So God has a work to do with the Jews, a fantastic work. Now listen to this statement. This is amazing to me. There will be many converted from among the Jews, and these converts will aid in preparing the way of the Lord and making straight in the desert a highway for our God. Listen to this next part. Converted Jews are to have an important part to act in the great preparations to be made in the future to receive Christ our Prince. Sounds pretty important, doesn't it? And then this, a nation will be born in a day. So a nation is going to be born in a day over in the Middle East area? I believe so. And I don't have time to get into that today, but another time uh, we see that in Daniel. <clears throat> um, chapter 11 speaks of that and um, other places. Charles is going to fix that so it doesn't go off as many times as it does. But a nation shall be born in a day. How? By men whom God has appointed being converted to the truth. And the whole context is the Jews. So what an amazing uh, series of events we have coming before us in the time of the latter reign as there will be these mass conversions taking place. We look out here and we're lucky to have uh, two or three hundred here on a, on a daily basis. There'll be a day when this church will not be able to hold the people that are going to come in. Amen? And so hold on until that day, amen, and continue to grow in your exemplification of Christian virtues. All right, let's go to, um, to Zechariah 10, verse 1. I said I wasn't going to do an expository study on this chapter, and I'm not, but I am going to look at a few verses here along with our topical sermon on the latter rain. So verse 1 says this, it says, Ask, ask for the rain at the time of the latter rain. That would be the spring rain. By the way, their spring rain would come in, you know what month? This month, October. <laughs> That's when the early rain would come. The latter rain would come in March. Right? And, then, and then just sort of you know, energize the crops, and then you'd have the harvests in, in the summer, early summer. So it is the Lord that makes thunderclouds, and he will give them showers of rain, grass in the field to everyone. So the latter rain has to do with the agricultural society, right? 
the agrarian system there in the Middle East, but it has more uh, meaning than that, especially in the last days. So under the figure of the early and latter rains that falls in eastern lands at seed time and harvest, the Hebrew prophets foretold the bestowal of spiritual grace in extraordinary measure upon God's church. So that's what we're talking about with the early and latter rain. Grace, uh, spiritual grace, in extraordinary measure that is soon to come. And it did it again, didn't it? And so the rains, what are they? The outpouring of the Spirit in the days of the apostles, or Pentecost was the beginning or early rain. So that was the spiritual grace that just energized the church. That was the early rain. Now, do you think its results were pretty successful, pretty powerful? Absolutely, right? 3,000 baptized in a day, 5,000, 10,000. That was the early rain. The latter rain's going to be better than that, bigger than that. To the end of time, the presence of the Spirit is to abide with the true church. Now, if you think this is just for this church, the Adventist church, you're wrong. (laughs) Do you believe God has people in other churches today that are really following him with all their heart and mind and soul and strength? Absolutely. God has children, many of them, in the Protestant churches and a large number who are in the Catholic churches who are more true to obey the light and to do, to the very best of their knowledge, than a large number among Sabbath-keeping Adventists who do not walk in the light. Ouch. That steps on our toes a little, doesn't it? But it's good news, right? God has his people. He has a universal church. He has people in all these denominations that are going to see these truths in the last days, and nothing will stop them. Maybe right now family is holding them back, or or they might say, well, you know, I'm a deacon in my church, and I really can't. But there's going to come a time when it's just going to be just crystal clear, and they're going to make their stand um, in behalf of the truth. So it's an exciting time. So this latter rain is something that comes at the end of time, right? Pentecost was certainly thousands of years ago now. But in the last days, the latter rain will come to ripen the harvest. This says, near the close of earth's harvest, a special bestowal, here it is again, spiritual grace is promised to prepare the church for the coming of the Son of Man. We need that preparation, and God is providing it. This outpouring of the Spirit is likened to the falling of the latter rain. And it is for this added power that Christians are to send their petitions to the Lord of the harvest in the time of the latter rain. We are in the time of the latter rain, brothers and sisters. Amen? And so we can ask for this spiritual grace, and it is going to come upon the world. And the latter rain comes along with something. In fact, you really can't extricate them from each other, something called the loud cry. So the latter rain and the loud cry are together. We'll get to that, but this again, speaking of the preparation, at that time, the latter rain or refreshing from the presence of the Lord will come to give power 
to the loud voice of the third angel. That's why we read Revelation 14, 6 through 12, the three angels' message. This is what is powerfully going to be broadcast to the world in loving tones. It's also a message of warning. Uh, but to give power to the loud voice of the third angel and prepare the saints to stand. Last night we talked about how to stand, Brother Paul. Indeed. And uh, is it going off up there too? It is. Oh, that's not good. I thought at least you were able to see it up there. To prepare the saints to stand in the period when the seven last plagues shall be poured out. Somebody asked me a question about that today regarding the seven last plagues. But what happens after the seven last plagues are poured out? Jesus comes, right? I mean, that's pretty much it, right? After the seventh plague, um, Jesus comes. And so this is to prepare us to stand in that time. The rain energizes the crops. Joel 2, actually I want you to turn to that. Turn to Joel chapter 2 because this is an important, important, important text. So turn there, Joel, another one of those little prophets that is sometimes hard to find. But if you go from Daniel, then you go through Hosea, you'll find Joel. Joel chapter 2. Important text, Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. I like what it, how it starts, right? Be glad. We should be glad that God is going to pour out this spirit in large measure. It's coming. But in order to receive it, we need to be receiving the early rain now, right? Allowing God and His Holy Spirit to work on us and prepare us for this great outpouring that's soon to come. Verse 23 says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you, notice who's taking the initiative here, the former rain, moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. Now, if you have a, a Bible with a margin in it, like I've got one, I've got a center margin, there's some little numbers next to some of these words, and then in the margin, there's additional meaning for us to look at. So here's what it is in the margin. It says, For he has given you the former rain moderately, and in the margin, it says, a teacher of righteousness according to righteousness. So we're kind of unpacking and drilling down on this verse now. And it's not just about rain, it's about righteousness, a teacher of righteousness, a message of righteousness by faith. Amen? That's what this is all about. God has given you that, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter in the first month. So it's this message of the righteousness of Christ that God is broadcasting to the world. It's such good news. We've been uh, drinking it in night after night as Brother Paul has been sharing. And then in that same chapter, while you're still there, look at verse 28. So this is all types of things that are happening in this time of the latter rain. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days I will pour out my spirit. So we'll see a, um, an increase in prophetic visions and dreams. 
By the way, right now, God is winning Muslims left and right, our brothers and sisters from Islam, with dreams. Did you know that? We're not reaching them. In some places, it's hard for us to reach or impossible. God is giving them dreams. In fact, let me tell you a story. I was in, was it three years ago? I was in Spain uh, to take a special um, uh, 10-day intensive on how to reach Islam. And uh, actually, Donnie Latour was over taking some classes on Spanish or something. So there's some people I knew over there, but that just happened to happen. Um, but I'm taking these classes, and one of the speakers is this young man. And uh, he was raised Muslim. In fact, his, his grandfather was a Muslim uh, imam uh, or minister. His father was. He memorized the Quran at like, I think he said 12. 12 years old, he had it memorized. And he was on his way to be a, a leader in Islam. But God gave him one dream after another about Jesus. Amen? He wouldn't let him alone. He just kept giving him dreams. And that man now is winning, in England, winning Muslims to Christ in England. And so God is going to do more of that, dreams and visions in the last days. This is the times in which this latter reign will take place. Also, we see from the context of Hosea 6.3 some more things that will be happening. It'll be a time of repentance when judgments are in the land. Come and let us return to the Lord, Hosea says, for he has torn and he will heal. He has smitten and he will bind us up. Then we shall know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain upon the earth. Brother Paul, I think if we can make a case that Jesus is the gospel, we can make a case that he is the rain. Amen? The Holy Spirit will rain down upon us. So this is the time in which this takes place. And uh, this is another fairly sobering statement, but it's one we need to look at. Um, and we need that rain. Each one of us do. It says this, unless we are advancing or daily advancing in the exemplifications of active Christian virtues. In other words, how is your Christianity being played out in your life? How's that looking for you? How are your neighbors seeing that? How are your coworkers seeing that? How are your fellow students seeing that? How is your home? How is your wife seeing that? That's what this is talking about. The exemplification of active Christian virtues. Unless we are daily advancing, we shall not recognize the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain. I know that's a solemn statement, but it's a statement we need to hear. It may be falling on hearts all around us, but we shall not discern or receive it. Now, some of you may be thinking, that's not really good news. <laughs> well, think about this. Who is the one that has promised the rain? God, right? He's promised to provide the rain. So don't put your umbrella up and try to keep it off, right? Just let it fall on you and on me to prepare us for the latter rain to come. All right, so now I'm going back to uh, Zechariah 10. You can just read it on the screen if you like. But this is another 
thing that will be happening in the time of the latter rain for the teraphim or household idols speak wickedness, emptiness, worthlessness. And we'll wait for that to pop back up. And the diviners see lying visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. This is what will be happening in this, in this cataclysmic time as the latter rain is poured out. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted and suffer because there is no shepherd. So these teraphim, or household idols, right? We don't know a whole lot about this, but these were the household idols. Um, this will be a time of great wickedness and spiritualism and occult practices and witchcraft. These diviners were actually people that would take the they would take the offerings and um, would take the liver out of these these lambs and so forth that were offered, and they'd study the size and the shape of that liver, and then they'd come up with some prediction on what was going to happen next. This is what the, the, the diviners were doing in the day. And so there'll be a time of spiritualism breaking forth as the latter rain is poured out. Now, in order to receive the latter rain, we can learn a lot from how they received the early rain, right? I think there's a lot we can learn there. It will be a time of unity and prayer for God's believers. Acts 1.14, these all with one mind were constantly devoting themselves to what? Are you with me? De devoting themselves to prayer, all right. Blessing and praising God in the temple. Putting aside all differences, all desire for supremacy, they came close to one another in Christian fellowship. Brothers and sisters, this is what we need in this church. Amen? And you know we need it because look at how hard the devil is trying to keep us from having it, right? He tries every possible thing that we don't have unity. Uh, you just name it. And I mean, there's so many things that the devil's trying to put in our way. But we'll be putting aside all differences, the desire for supremacy, and coming close together in Christian fellowship. Well, could it be could it be that way back in this very church, in this very time period, those raindrops started to fall back in 1892? Yes, it's true. The loud cry of the third angel has already begun in the revelation of the righteousness of Christ, the sin-pardoning Redeemer. This is the beginning of the light of the angel whose glory shall Fill the whole earth. What is that? What text is that referring to, that last part? Revelation 18, right? The fourth angel, as we call it. And so raindrops began to fall. And this message is the message that we have been given today. And so we should study what that message was. What happened in 1888? You hear a lot about it here at the tabernacle, not so much in other places. But we saw that Christ's victory was our victory, right? He became us. He became we. When Christ walked on this earth, it's as if he took all humanity into himself and won the victory for us. 
And so then that victory is the victory we are to walk in. By his obedience to all the commandments of God, Christ wrought out a redemption for men, all men. This was not done by going out of himself to another, but by taking humanity into himself. Thus Christ gave humanity an existence out of himself to bring humanity into Christ, to bring the fallen race into oneness with divinity is the work of redemption. I know that's deep, but you folks have been hearing about it from Brother Paul and from me for some time now, so I hope it's getting through what Christ did for all, what he did for you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. In other contexts, that word follow means pursue. It's as if till our dying day, Christ is chasing after us, the hound of heaven, to save us. We have good news and a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what happened in 1888? I'll just tell you what happened in 1888. It was an unwillingness to yield up preconceived opinions and ideas way back there in 1892 and prior, 1888, that kept um, this message, this beautiful message from being received. And so then the question would be how to receive it at last. Well, we receive it uh, at last, much like um, the early rain was received. So again, here is how we missed it. When light goes forth to lighten the earth, instead of coming up to the help of the Lord, they will want to bind about his work to meet their narrow ideas. Let me tell you that the Lord will work in this last work in a manner very much out of the common order of things and in a way that will be contrary to any human planning. Now that's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, We have... um, One guy that works at the conference here, I'm a district soup. We do lots of planning, right? But this is going to be, we're going to say about this, it's like, we didn't plan that. That just was definitely a God thing, as we say, right? And that's exactly what will happen. Um, I I don't know if I should digress. I think I will, uh, just a minute, even though I'm afraid that the slide will (laughs) disappear again. Um, Many at this point in Earth's history would like to see the church stand up and make a um, resolution about the vaccine and how, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, we should or shouldn't do it. Very interesting, in 1889, right after 1888, um, there were Sunday laws starting to happen, right? So people were being forced to work on Sunday. And people were saying, we need a resolution from the conference. We need them to tell us exactly how to do it. And you know what Ellen White said? She said, no, you don't. (laughs) She said, for the conference to stay out of it would be the best possible thing to happen. That was a very interesting, I hadn't, I mean, I would have thought, well, yeah, at least at that situation, they should stand up and tell the people what to do. She said, no, no. She said, don't make it easy. For those that wanted to stand up, and and to them it was an issue, she said, "Don't, don't take that away from them. God may very well be working for them. In fact, I love the statement she says. She says, leave God some work to do. That's what she told the conference brethren. 
leave God some work to do. As if Don't try to hem everybody in with your narrow ideas of exactly how the Lord will finish things. little side uh, note there. Again, how we missed it, if the rays of light which shone at Minneapolis, that's when 1888 happened, right, were permitted to extend their convincing power. They would have had such a rich experience. But, and now you might say, well, this is historical, this isn't, what is this doing for me? This, this is talking to us, because we all do this, right? They would have had such a rich experience, but self said what? No, I'm not going there. Self said no. Self was not willing to be bruised. Self struggled for the mastery. This is the good fight of faith, right? We all, if you're going to tell me you're not relating to this, I, I'm not sure what your experience is like, but I want to talk to you afterwards. Right? Self said no. Self was not willing to be bruised. Self struggled for the mastery. Self and passion developed hateful characteristics. So things were going the other way, unfortunately, for many at that time. All right, the good news, how to receive it at last. Well, these last, these next couple statements are still maybe how not to receive it. Those who made no decided effort, but simply wait for the Holy Spirit to compel them to action. It's like, well, I'm just not going to do anything. You know, when that rain falls, I'll just wait and it'll just, you know, get me going. It's not the way it works, right? Because God right now is wanting to prepare our hearts. Think about the little plants, right? If those little tiny plants have come up and they haven't grown, you know, and and gotten their roots in the ground, uh, when that latter rain came down, what would happen to those little plants? Right? Be washed away. So God doesn't want that, right? He wants to prepare us now in his love and in his kindness. Those who make no decided effort but simply wait for the Holy Spirit to compel them to action will perish in darkness. You are not to sit still and do nothing in the work of God. Heavy words, timely words, how to receive it at last. Are we hoping to see the whole church revived? Now, How many times have you heard that, right? Well, You know, but so-and-so in the church and this one in the church. If you're waiting for the whole church to be revived, will that ever even happen? No, it will not. The time will never come. So don't make those excuses, right? Live your life for God, and He will see you through. If you're waiting for the whole church to be revived, that time will never come. There are persons in the church who are not converted and who will not unite in earnest, prevailing prayer. We must enter upon the work as a corporate body. Is that what it says? No, individually, right? We must enter upon the work individually. We must pray more and talk what? Less. (laughs) Pray more and talk less. By the way, regarding that, I'm doing my sermonic planning for next year and, and I'm, I'm praying through what, what we'll do when. And, you know, you have four communions, you know, so you plug in your communions. Well, this year I'm plugging in prayer. I'm plugging in a focus on prayer. Every time we have four times a year, so there'll be more, more prayer opportunities and more prayer focus in our church than we've ever had before. How to receive it at last. 
Before the day of Pentecost, they met together and put away all differences. You know, if you've got something against somebody in this church and you can't even go and talk to them, that's a problem. Amen? That's a problem. Can I talk to y'all? Just me and, you know, mono on mono here. That's a problem. Go to that person and say, hey, you know, you know, we had this thing, you know, and I mean, it's a shame to see people that, that are both loving people, but they can't even talk to each other anymore. Shouldn't be in God's church. Put away all differences. Be of one accord. They believed Christ's promises. This is what the early church did. They put away all differences, became of one accord. They believed Christ's promise that the blessing would be given. We must do that. And they prayed in faith. They did not ask for a blessing for themselves merely, but were weighed down with a burden for the salvation of souls. I think of Psalms 126. If we go forth weeping, we shall surely come back with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. Amen? How many of us are going forth weeping for our neighbors, for our friends? Well, we think, boy, it's been a long wait. We've been waiting so long. But could it be it is really he who waits? I close with this poem. This song, which you know, which you've heard. O Jesus, thou art standing outside the fast-closed door, in lowly patience waiting to pass the threshold o'er. O shame-professing Christian, his name and sign we bear. O shame, thrice shame upon us to keep him standing there. O Jesus, thou art knocking, and lo, that hand is scarred, and thorns thy brow encircle, and tears thy face have marred. O love that passes knowledge so patiently to wait, what a God we serve. But O sin that has no equal, so fast to close the gate, or bar the gate. O Jesus, thou art pleading, in accents meek and low. I died for you, my children, and will you treat me so? O Lord, with shame and sorrow, we open now the door. Dear Savior, enter, enter, and leave us nevermore. Let's pray. O Father, we are excited about the latter rain, but Lord, we realize that You're certainly not the problem. If there is a problem, it's us, Lord. We've been distant from one another. We've been holding grudges that no one should hold. Christians certainly shouldn't be holding. Lord, we have not spent the time in earnest prayer. We have not been advancing daily in the exemplification of active Christian virtues. And Lord, you're there to provide those experiences for us. And Lord, you love us so much, so you wait. But Lord, how long will you wait? We don't know. But Lord, forgive us for keeping you waiting, because Lord, as you're waiting, you're looking down from your throne, and you're seeing the starving children, you're seeing the human trafficking, 
You name it, Lord. We don't even see a fraction of it. If we saw it, it would wipe us out. But Lord, you see it all. And you feel it all. You're touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Forgive us, Lord, for keeping you waiting these many, many years. Change us, Lord. Transform us from the inside out. Give us the faith of Jesus that will enable us to keep the commandments of God. Lord, we need it. It's time. We see a dress rehearsal right now in the activities and the events that are going on on this earth. And we know your coming is soon. And we know you want to prepare us even more than we want to be prepared. So do your work, Lord. We receive it today. Continue to speak to our hearts. Draw us to yourself in these last days. And we thank you for forgiveness according to your promise and for power, the power of grace to reign like a king on our hearts. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.